For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris, his name, Hayden Winks. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Long weekend, got to the pool, got the keeping the tan alive. That was the most important thing. And then also wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, one of my favorite comedians, Bo Burnham. He released a special on Netflix. It was really insane. He filmed it. He edited it. He did everything by himself in one single room for like the last year. And it was like an absolute wild, wild thing. So uh, if you're into like dark comedy, Bo Burnham Inside, I would go check it out. So edited it, filmed it, came up with a concept, did it in all one room in the last year. That kind of sounds like my podcasting career as well, Hayden. That that would be the Josh Norris special. <laughs> <laughs> I would say his his style is way darker than yours. You're usually more bubbly. His side, he's like really getting deep into some dark topics but uh the more i thought about it since the show ended the more like impressed i become with it so well everyone out there hopefully you enjoyed our thursday stream we did the giveaway gauntlet heard some incredible feedback from all of you we thank you for that we're going to post it actually in podcast form on saturday mornings from here on out as well just you know for a little sunday drive if you need one as weekend getaway if you need one Again, if you have any suggestions for future guests, always at them on Twitter and then also include us so we can just have some nice pressure to get them here on the show with us. Uh, Hayden, what we're going to do this week, we're going to focus from the team perspective and mainly pick out division winners today and then rank them one through four in each conference. And then on tomorrow's stream, Wednesday's stream, again, that comes out in your podcast feed on Thursday. We're also going to include some wildcard teams. We'll want your feedback on those and then simulate the playoffs from there. So we are spoiling, we are predicting, we are simulating the playoffs this week, just a few months ahead. Hey. Yeah, we got to. And then as we go along, we'll obviously talk about some of the odds to win the division, to win the Super Bowl. But our whole goal is to go uh, 14 for 14 on picking who's going to the playoffs. That sounds pretty easy, right, Josh? It does. And yes, the odds are going to be definitely a part of this. We want to make you all some future money like we did during draft season as well. Let's do that for some of these division and conference futures as well. Should we get started? Let's do it. Let's get started with the NFC West. These are all going to be consensus odds, kind of average odds from all across like seven or eight or nine books. The Rams are the favorites at plus 190, along with the San Francisco 49ers, also at plus 190. Seahawks plus 275 to win the NFC West. And at the bottom, the Arizona Cardinals at plus 600. Hayden, this stands out to me because, one, the Seahawks are third favorites in their own division, yet they won it last year at 12-4. and four. Meanwhile, you have the 49ers neck and neck for the lead at the moment, yet they finished 6-10 and 10 last season. So a potential worst to first here for San Francisco. Yeah, so I think the Rams and the 49ers are going to be pretty improved, particularly with the 49ers. Obviously, the big wild card is how ready is Trey Lance and how good is he going to be 
as a 21 year old after a year off. So that's the big thing is and that's a total wild card. I do think the market is really bullish on the 49ers in general, maybe more so than is actually in play. They lost Richard Sherman, another corner, Witherspoon, Kerry Hyder rushed the passer, Solomon Thomas, Ronald Blair. They are basically overturning their entire defense. And this defense was number eight in the league last year. So uh, I think you're going to see a much improved offense, but a worse defense, especially with Salah gone too. So I'm kind of leaning towards the Rams currently. And actually, I think that the Seahawks have a better case to win this division than the 49ers. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm excited for the 49ers, and hopefully we get a lot of Trey Lance. It would be shocking, and everyone knows this who listens or watches. It would be shocking to see Trey Lance sit two full seasons, uh, despite what you know that initial press conference was. And I think we kind of started hearing a little bit more exactly what Kyle Shanahan thinks of his current quarterback situation. The Rams move to upgrade their quarterback to a you know, staggering degree, I, I think it has flown under the radar a bit, Hayden. And it's because of how early it happened. I mean, it happened in in January on one crazy night. Uh, I had Jordan Rodriguez on the podcast while you were soaking in the sun in Hawaii. And she said the main factor in moving on from Jared Goff and upgrading to Matthew Stafford was to, quote unquote, activate all of the el- eligible players on the field. So to me, that stands out that we might get more targets to Cam Akers. We might get more targets to, to Daryl Henderson. And I just cannot wait to see what a quarterback with the talent that Matthew Stafford has in this offense with Sean McVay wanting to change it week to week versus what we got from Jared Goff week to week. Yeah, and there's some more depth at the skill position. And they, they're basically returning their offensive line. It's a very old offensive line, and that's the biggest concern on the entire team. Uh, even if the defense regresses, which it will, you lose your defensive coordinator, who is awesome, one of the best coaches in the league, in my opinion. Uh, they still have the main pieces. Obviously, losing John Johnson, some other role players matters a little bit. But I, I do think this division is between the Rams and the Seahawks right now. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting the 49ers to get better, but I'm not sure if they're like totally ready. I'm not ruling it out, but I, I think the Seahawks, like, what what spot are the 49ers better than than the Seahawks? That's a fair question. I, I do think you're ruling out the 49ers just a little bit because I don't know if we can really even factor in what 2020 was for San Francisco. I mean, Nick Mullins played over 600 snaps last year, and now he's a free agent. No one's signing him, and he's also recovering from an injury. Now they also don't have like a third wide receiver on their team at all. Like I was looking through the name that's most new. It's like Richie James. It's Jalen Hurd. It's it's a, a bunch of nobodies, it seems like. It's one where like in, in 2019, Hayden, that was possibly like the best team in the NFL. Was it not? Yeah. And I, I know that we're like moving a year or two later and things change. And, you know, they've traded to Forrest Buckner, but Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw. To your point, though, like the secondary might not be as good as it was during that great run. Just like it just in skill in general, not not coaching. Obviously, the, the coaching really matters for the 49ers. That secondary is pretty bad. Like they, there is there's not a whole lot back there. Um, and I think that we're forgetting the four, or the Seahawks were really injured on defense last year too. There was some gaps like the first eight weeks of the season. They had zero pass rush in the end, and the like back half of the season against an easier schedule. Things got cleared up, but they ended up finishing fifteenth in EPA on defense last year. So I don't think it's like as bad of a defense as some people think. They all, they added Gabe Jackson. They yep. they stole Witherspoon from the 49ers. Jared Elvert might help, and they added a lot of defensive line depth too. So. Um, what are your thoughts, Rams or Seahawks? I, I I don't want to. I'm not ruling out the 49ers to winning this division, but I just think that they're a little bit behind these other two teams. We've got to go with the Rams if it's between the two. I do want to mention though, just about Russell Wilson last season. It was kind of a tale of two halves. Like he started so well, 
It was so electric. He was able to, you know, throw an early down opportunities, throw a lot in the first and third quarters rather than just trying to play hero ball in the fourth quarter. But let's not forget, like, this team, even the media was saying, like, oh, we've been figured out. You know, DK Metcalf came out and said that. That statement, and obviously they've moved on to Shane Waldron, who has previously, I believe, worked with Kyle Shannon, definitely has previously worked with Sean McVay. But let's not overlook that, you know, Russ didn't finish the season well as an individual. Like, sure, we can place the blame on offensive line. We've done that for years and years, it feels like, with Seattle. But as an individual, one, Russ has always invited that type of disruption and invited that type of game. Um, and then, like, as, as the season went along, I mean, I, I'm looking at some of his box scores. In week 11, or in game 11, I should say, 230 yards and one touchdown. You know, 263 yards, a touchdown, and interception. You jump to the 15th game of the season. 121 and a touchdown, 225 and a touchdown, 181 and two touchdowns. In the playoffs, just 174 yards and two touchdowns. Like, this wasn't the electric Russell Wilson that we saw in the first half. And, in fact, if he plays like that, he's not going to finish as the best quarterback in this division this year. Yeah, I think that's I think that's reasonable. I, I just think that adding Gabe Jackson will help. You're getting DK Metcalf. Maybe he can take even another leap. I don't know. I, I think the, the, the Seahawks defense just isn't as bad. I think that a lot of people view this defense as like one of the worst units. And I think that is that is completely false. It, it was a big change when Jamal Adams came back healthy last year. And he wasn't even healthy, you know, towards the second half of the season. But just his implementation into the defense does allow them to be more, um, have more like high variance plays, like have, have more game changing plays onto the field. Okay, so, so let's name it. And I actually think that there's some like fatal flaws here. And there's probably almost one for nearly every team in the league. You mentioned the offensive line for the Rams. That's been the question for years and years and years. It, it, it is their window right now. And, and they know it. And it's one of those few front offices that like goes all in in these moments. But are we going to go with the Rams here? Yeah, I, I do think this this division is they're all four teams are kind of all in right now. They're all, like that's pretty rare. You usually have one of these teams or two of these teams that aren't even trying to win really. All four of these teams are going to beat up on each other. This could be a division where like they're the team that wins it has like 11 wins or 10 wins and all four of the teams were really good. So I'm I'm comfortable with the Rams. I think that when we do our wild card picks, we might be able to sneak in two of these teams just in general. Before we move on, should we say one thing about the Cardinals? I mean, them being the fourth in odds in this division after going eight and eight and mainly just adding veteran talent all offseason really says something about like the public's perception of what Steve Kime and Cliff are doing at the moment. I'm not sure how positive it is. And I also think the leash on those two players might be a lot shorter than than we think. Like it feels like Cliff just got here, but the sour taste, I think, in the ownership's mouth of like how that season ended. And I think a lot of it, if we remember correctly, coincided with Kyler's injury because he just wasn't nearly as electric as he was. Um, if they go eight and you know nine or something like that this year, uh, we could see new decision makers there in Arizona, I think. So I think the two big things is letting Kyler win like over the middle of the field, like intermediate over the middle. I think that Rondell Moore will help that a little bit. And the second biggest thing, and the reason why I don't think that they're uh, contenders is the cornerback depth chart and the Cardinals they're either going to have to play more zone defense and be less aggressive in general or they're going to try to go cover one man blitz get up in your face put a lot of pressure on receivers and then you're doing with less talent this year and that's the big concern especially against these play callers in this division um, that's why I think the Cardinals are going to be competitive I think they're one of like the, maybe like the 15th best team in the league but in this division in particular it's, it's it makes it pretty tough 
All right, we spend a lot of time on the NFC West because it is going to be one of the most competitive in football. Let's now jump to the NFC South, where the defending Super Bowl champions are minus 200 to repeat, at least in the division. Well, they didn't even win the division last year. They were a wild card team. Anyways, let's move on. The Saints were plus 300, the Falcons plus 800 to, to win the NFC South, and the Panthers all the way at plus 1,100. Uh, let's talk about the post-buy Buccaneers bump last year. Uh, it was absolutely crazy. I mean, they lost three of the four games just before the bye last season. Then afterwards, 26, 31, 47, 44, 31, 30, 31, 31 points to end in the final eight games of the season. So do we see that same Buccaneers team take the field in week one and start off on the same foot? It's the best roster in football. Maybe they don't have the best quarterback and the best coaching staff. And I think that's why the Chiefs will be competitive and some other teams will get to. But this is top down, one through uh, 22 starting rosters, even some depth pieces. I mean, this is the best roster in, in football. I'm shocked that they're only minus 200 to win this division. I mean, is the Jameis Winston Saints with less depth at all of their positions going to sneak in here? Is the Falcons actually contenders if they're trading Julio Jones this week? I think they should be bigger favorites than this. I think this is might be the best team in football. We saw how they closed out. And as old as Tom Brady is, he didn't show basically any signs of decline last year. We know the method he's got. I don't know what, what's in those TB12 pills or in that, in that avocado water, whatever the hell is going on over there. But I'm just going to buy it. I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady now. The roster is just too good. It's too good. And I wouldn't even say that injury luck played a significant factor and them winning last year because they just have depth all across the board. We see it every single year when teams win the Super Bowls. Good players, average players, below adequate players get sniped off from these other teams and get paid massive contracts. Basically, every single person not named Joe Haig is back on this roster. And they might even have upgraded at certain spots like Giovanni Bernard as a pass game running back. You know, I, I, I'm so excited. We, maybe Antonio Brown for the entire season depending on, on what unfolds with it. Like this is a Buccaneers team that I enjoy kind of rooting for Tom Brady now, which is crazy to say because it seems like so much of the public was out on him for so long. But it it's to the point where he doesn't have to be, you know, special at all times because they do have special players at, at other positions. And it certainly felt like, and this kind of might be a narrative, but it felt like it did take them eight to 10 weeks to figure out exactly what the offense was going to be in how it handles in certain situations and, you know, Tom not being inaccurate on certain th throws. And then, again, they hit their stride after, after the bye, and it, it, it would not be a surprise at all. I'm with you. Minus 200 doesn't seem significant enough. Yeah, I think this should be, like, closer to, like, minus 300. That's, like, where the Chiefs yeah. are is, like, in that range. I think that's more appropriate. Because, Real quick because the Saints, like, they have an eye on the future, do they not? I understand they are constantly up against the salary cap wall, but – We've seen Sean Payton and heard him associated to quarterbacks over the last few years. You know, you date back to Patrick Mahomes. In recent weeks, we've heard that he liked Mac Jones quite a bit, and they were considering trading up for him. So I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, like, the quarterback of the 2022 Saints isn't even on the roster right now. So here, here are the guys that they they left, and I, I'm I'm agreeing with you. They're kind of in between this rebuild, but their roster is still too good. But now they have no depth, and like the reason why they have no depth, they these are the guys they lose: Drew Brees, Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders, Nick Easton on offense. On defense, they lose Trey Hendrickson, Malcolm Brown, Sheldon Rankins, 
Quan Alexander, Janoris Jenkins. That is a lot of starters, a lot of starters. And that means that there's going to be some new starters. And that also means that if they deal with injuries, they're going to be playing some guys that have not played very much football in their entire life uh, or in, in the NFL. So the Saints team, I think, it will compete as long as they stay healthy. But the second there's some injuries, uh, I think that roster is going to like really start uh, – you just see the Bucks; they haven't lost any guys, and you've seen the the, the Saints lose. Like, I mean, that's like eight contributors right there. And, and Marshawn Lattimore is a great corner. He's he's missed some times in recent years, but like maybe no division is more stacked at wide receiver than the NFC South. And I don't even know who's basically going to play the second corner spot on on the Saints right now. It's I mean, I, I, their offensive line is fantastic. Like Teron Armstead has an argument of being one of the best left tackles in football. We know Ryan Ramchak is up there at right tackle. Cesar Ruiz was obviously a first-round pick in 2020. Eric McCoy, second-round pick. And Andrews Pete has been in and out of the lineup because he's been injured at times. We saw the significant jump in the Buck success in some ways just going from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady. And that was when Jameis had Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and a whole bunch of other names. And so, like, what's James going to do now? Unless he's changed his game quite a bit compared to what we're used to, and we know how rare that is. What's he going to do with, like, throwing to Michael Thomas and, and Adam Troutman? I don't know how much success they're going to have. And plus 300, that seems that seems rich. But, I, again, I'm not into, like, the Falcons winning a bunch of ball games and the Panthers winning a bunch of ball games either. So it's really just the Bucks, and that's it. Yeah, I, that's why I think there should be higher. I, I do think that when we do our wild card teams, I think the Saints have a very good case for that, but we can save that for tomorrow. What do we think about Nick Bird? Nick Bird from the chat. Panthers are an incredibly sharp bet at that price. They could very realistic, realistically be at least the second best team in the division. And if Tampa Bay is slow in the season, I think they have a chance. I think that's giving a lot of respect to Sam Darnold, who has been unequivocally bad in the NFL for coaching and for him. But I actually really like what the Panthers have done on defense, and it kind of fits where the NFL is going, Hayden, in that you can't have a great player at every single position, but what you can have is an explosive player that makes plays when other offenses are trying to catch up to your scoreboard because now you have Brian Burns and Eder Grossmatos and definitely Hassan Reddick. You have Derek Brown pushing from the interior you have obviously JC Horn on the outside and Jeremy Chin. Like there's a bunch of individuals with explosiveness to their game that can maybe make those one to two to three key big plays on defense to win you in those pivotal situations. It's athleticism, it's versatility on defense for the Panthers. And I, I agree that the Panthers have maybe one of the wider distributions of like how good or bad they can be this year because they're really young on defense. It's a new coaching staff. And obviously you have this wild card at quarterback who in theory has some upside, but we just haven't seen it yet. Uh, so the Panthers have a very wide dis- distribution of outcomes. I just don't think how many times is that actually beating the the Bucks. I mean, Tom yeah. Brady would have to get hurt, and some other guys would have to get hurt, in my opinion, for the Panthers to make that big of a leap. Even if I mean, even the Bucks go through some injuries like they did last year. I mean, their receivers, their defensive line. There was a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. They still would have significantly the best roster in this division, in my opinion. So we open with the NFC West and NFC South. That's the Rams and the Saints. Now's the NFC East. Bucks. Did I say Saints? Yep. I meant the Bucks. Thank you. This is why I need a co-host. All right. NFC East. And this one's a doozy. Cowboys at plus 110. Washington plus 260. Again, these are consensus. Giants at plus 424. And the Philadelphia Eagles all the way at the bottom at plus 500. Speaking of respect, it's a word I've been using a lot. This is quite a bit to the Dallas Cowboys, who basically 
these books are saying, hey, all these people that are returning from injury are going to once again play really good football. And it's not just Dak, who I trust he's going to play good football. It's that offensive line, which was an absolute mess. And then it's improvements on defense going from Mike Nolan to what, Dan Quinn? Do you buy it? I think they'll be right there. I think just Washington's roster is better. And I obviously Dak coming back is a massive upgrade at quarterback, but I think that we're kind of underselling how big of an upgrade Ryan Fitzpatrick is over the Washington quarterbacks. Yes. I looked back uh, since 2015. So this is a pretty big sample size. Ryan Fitzpatrick is 16th out of 82 qualifying quarterbacks in EPA, 16th out of 82. Last year, Washington was 31st out of 32 in quarterback EPA last year. Plus, they're adding Curtis Samuel, Diami Brown, and Adam Humphreys. I think the offensive line is serviceable. They've made a couple little moves here and there. And their defense is so good. They didn't really lose that many players on defense either. So I, I think people are kind of, uh, they just see Dak Prescott's coming back. That's such a big leap. I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is, is a noticeable leap over what uh, Washington was trotting out there last year too. I feel like the NFC East is just question marks all along the offensive line for every single one of these teams, like for different reasons. You know, Dallas, Tyron Smith has had, you know, an era almost at left tackle, but now it feels like it's coming to an end despite him being like 30 years old at the moment because he's missed time. We know Lyle Collins and Zach Martin have missed time as well during their careers. You mentioned Washington. You talk about a potential fatal flaw on a team that we're all hyped about. There's a chance that it just comes crumbling down. I mean, they just signed Charles Leno at left tackle, Eric Flowers. They traded for Chase Rulli at center and Brandon Sheriff. This is definitely going to be his last year uh, with Washington. And then the Giants spending, you know, a top 10 selection on Andrew Thomas, letting go of Kevin Zeitler, Matt Pert needing to take the next step at right tackle and then having a quarterback back there who just has a fumbling problem at all times when he's pressured because he has blinders on to disruption and the Eagles, you know, me Hayden, the Eagles were a team that I was really invested in last year because they had made all these moves to have like depth along their offensive line. And then I never reset it when we get to certain points of last year's summer when injury after injury after injury hit. And so it's, that's another question mark for them as well. So the Eagles roster, I think is just too old on defense. And I, they were, they were a good defense last year for the most part. I'm not sure how stable that could be. Um, Jalen Hurts has some theoretical upside, but man, you're just relying on too many old players. So I'm willing to cross off the Eagles from contention here. Really? Okay. Yeah. Can I, can I bring this up and talk me off this? I might think that the Eagles might be the best long shot in the NFL right now in terms of plus 500 for the, because the NFC East is totally wide open. It feels like every single year. And if like all, if it all aligns, you know, and I went back and watched Jalen Hurts for our, our quarterback rankings, which you can actually find on, on under a blog right now. We're going to do some shows on those in the forthcoming weeks. Um, I didn't love Jalen Hurts when I went back and, and watched him. Actually, like a lot of it was, hey, I saw this primary throw based on what the defense was situated on, on the outside. So I'm going to lob it up to my outside receiver. He's going to win it for me. Or it's that outside of structure, you know, fun energy. But I like the roster, man. I do. And – you have to get good performances out of your older and maybe somewhat declining players. Like Fletcher Cox has to have, you know, a, a fantastic year. Um, Darius Slay has to get back into his form. But I can talk myself into the Eagles at plus 500. 
I think they look better on paper before the season. We're like going top down. And then like all of a sudden you're like, oh, that 32 year old uh, ex pro bowler who's had uh, a major knee injury is like all of a sudden just like not as good or not in the lineup. So I think that's like the situation with with the Eagles. Um, but I mean, this is a division that is wide open. There's not a clear cut favorite for a reason. All of these teams have either a huge wart on defense or the offensive line or just as an old roster in general. So um, plus 500, I'm not like, super against it. I, I just think that Washington's roster is just much better all, all the way around. And it, I would rather bet on like Dak Prescott, just being Dak Prescott. Is the narrative of Ryan Fitzpatrick being a high variance, you don't know what you're going to get from him this week. And then he might play like one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league next week. Is that a fair criticism and understanding of his game? He's aggressive, but he, he's always talked about. He's always put in situations where he's like on like a bad roster, and he has to like just lob up some passes. And he's talked about how he's doing this out of necessity. And it's kind of like this like Philip Rivers mindset where, hey, if we're down ten points in the fourth quarter and I throw an interception, like, oh well, like we're trying to come back here, and that's why he's being aggressive. So maybe that he plays more within himself. And I think maybe the last previous years at his other stops when he's like with the Jets and like these back uh, bad Bucks rosters a couple years ago that he was like doing this out of necessity because of the scoreboard. And I think that this, this year with that uh, Washington defense, I, I'm going to guess he's going to be more consistent week to week, but I think like this aggressiveness is like a good thing in general, especially if you have some, some decent uh, wide receivers like uh, Washington all of a sudden has. Yeah. I guess we're going to pick Washington. You mentioned that defense. We've moved the needle a little bit here with, with Jamin Davis. He was plus 1200 for defensive rookie of the year. Uh, now he's at plus 847. There's one book out there. Let's just call it points bet. Uh, so it has him at plus 1400. So if you want to get some of that action, because Jamin Davis, uber athlete running behind that wall of defensive linemen who can also penetrate. I mean, tackles for loss, tackles, stats, and general counting stats for linebackers. That makes a lot of sense for uh, defensive rookie of the year. So we're going to go with Washington here, MC East. Yeah, I love that. Okay. NF. See North time impossible to predict at the moment based on the current situation. Packers are minus 143 to win the NFC North. The Vikings are at plus 265. The Bears at plus 387. And the Lions all the way down at the bottom, plus 2000. Even more than that, but we'll just put it off at plus 2000. One, Hayden, this is a lot of respect for the Vikings, a team that also seems to be having one eye on the future at the quarterback position. They tried to trade up with the Panthers at number eight, I'm assuming, to go and get Justin Fields. They've also drafted Kellen Mond, even though Kirk Cousins is locked in on this roster. But if you think Aaron Rodgers is playing, minus 143, if you can talk yourself into Aaron Rodgers playing this year and not just sitting out, minus 143 is a great number. I'm betting on Aaron Rodgers coming back, and I think that we should pick the Packers here. Um contractually the the Packers would be setting a new precedent by trading him. Aaron Rodgers has almost zero leverage. The only thing he can do is like cause a huge fit as they go into training camp. But I think that eventually he'll just come back. I don't think that the the Packers are trying to rebuild. This roster is good enough. We've seen them back-to-back seasons have strong playoff pushes. And I think that ultimately Aaron Rodgers is just kind of making a huge stink of this. Uh, mm. to get some revenge, but ultimately he doesn't have enough power to actually move himself to another team. The Packers would be taking on a lot of dead money in that situation, and all those veterans that they have on the roster would be super mad. So I think that ultimately 
They're going to apologize to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers will make a big fuss out of this to show the the weaknesses in this like Packers organization. But ultimately, I think he's going to come back. I don't think they trade him. I either think he sits out, that's a pa- Carson Palmer, or or he plays. I am was not aware enough like of the NFL at the time, and every individual is different. I have interviewed Carson Palmer, but I, I think it's a very different one. Carson did that because it was the Bengals. And we know just yes. how behind the times the Bengals are and how they're just a bad roster other than you know that's one stretch that they did have when he got injured. But it certainly seems like, Hayden, this is somewhat of a vendetta, if that's the right use of, of this term. And in that he simply has like a awful relationship with the top decision maker on the team. But I also think we forget about other decision makers in that organization. And namely, Mark Murphy, in that he has been around the team for like a really, really long time. And even dating back to like the Brett Favre times when they drafted his eventual replacement. I mean, that must suck. You must get frustrated in that. But Mark Murphy knows how to hopefully get the most out of Aaron and talk him back into the situation and say the right things. Because again, at the core of this, if he does play, the minus 143 number, and they are absolutely head and shoulders above everyone else in this division. Yeah, just between, like, let's say like there's some people that are disagreeing with us and they don't think that Rodgers is going to be on the roster. Would you bet the Packers still with Jordan Love, the Vikings, or the Bears? I think I would go the Vikings just because I think that they've made, they're going to get improvements on defense with Hunter back. They added Pat Pete, Dalvin Tomlinson, Mackenzie Alexander might play for him. So I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were on defense. And we know that this offense is really smooth. Their offensive line looks actually good. That's been something that hasn't been the case for the last couple seasons. So I think I would go the Vikings, but I think the Bears, I wouldn't completely rule out the Bears um, just if you're just betting on Justin Field, which I like to do. But I just think that the Vikings roster, especially on defense, can get better this year. All right. We'll go with the Packers there. Now over to the AFC. Let's start off in the AFC South. Indianapolis Colts. Minus 105 to win the NF- the AFC South. The Tennessee Titans at plus 110. Jacksonville Jaguars plus 900. And the Houston Texans at plus 1,400. Two 11 and 5 teams in this division last year in the Titans and the Colts. They're once again at the top projected here, but the Colts vault to the top according to these books. Do you buy into that, Hayden? This division stinks. I mean, this is going to be like the maybe not as bad as the NFC East last year, but this division is really bad. I think the Titans and the Colts are both worse. And obviously the Texans are way, way worse, um, which kind of opens up the Jaguars at like plus 750 for like if you want to take a really long shot bet. Ultimately, I ended up settling on the Colts, but I'm not super confident in that. Eric Fisher coming off of January torn uh, Achilles. Carson Wentz was a really bad player. I mean, really bad. And Phillip Rivers is actually pretty serviceable, probably like a mid, mid-tier mid quarterback. So I think that's like a, a pretty big drop-off. And that pass rush is still really bad. I mean, they, they need to re-sign Justin Houston, who's like a 32-year-old, like just serviceable veter- veteran. Like that's how desperate they are to get some pass rushing help. So I think that is a potential uh, fatal flaw. But it's hard for me to pick the Titans right now. How often do we see a player go from where he was as an MVP caliber talent, which Carson Wentz was before he got injured in that Super Bowl run, to then what he showed last year, to now hopefully regaining 
that talent that he showed. You know, I was in on Carson last last offseason. Like I, I was expecting him to show that because I, I thought talent like that just doesn't disappear. But then now after watching him in, in 2020, I think it has disappeared. Like he he was self-destructive on the field. Now we mentioned that the Eagles dealt with a whole bunch of offensive line issues. And, you know, you, we can bring up the left tackle spot all we want, but you don't have to be perfect at five spots to have a great offensive line. You can be great and even fantastic at three of the four or four of the five. And that's what the Colts are going to be this year. And he has more pass catching weapons to throw to. And he has a, a quarterbacks and a head coach that, you know, understands his game. But this is really shining a light on the public thinking that the Titans, how they've won in the past is just not going to work to the same degree as it has, because they are very much a team of like, let's bring everything back together. We're going to do it this one way and it's, it's going to work, but losing Corey Davis, a wide receiver with thousand yards, losing a tight end with 400 yards. And those two players combined for 13 touchdowns last season. I don't think we talk about that enough. And then most importantly, the play caller that was so great on those deep shots and so great inside the red zone. Those are some significant losses that I don't think have gotten enough run here for the Titans. The Titans are going to be worse. Like that's like a guarantee that. And those big or those three downgrades are huge. And then they lost Adoree Jackson, Malcolm Butler, and Desmond King. They're three starting corners from last year, late in the season when uh, Adoree Jackson got back in the lineup. So they're overhauling their entire secondary. Uh, they, they also got rid of uh, one of their safeties too. So I mean, it's it, they are resetting on defense, and yep. that defense was really bad already last year. I mean, if you look at just like those Titans teams, I was with Dean Pease and Arthur Smith, two of the most respected uh, play callers on each side of the ball. So uh, this is putting a lot of faith into Ryan Tannehill. This is putting a lot of faith in uh, um, AJ Brown staying healthy, uh, Derrick Henry staying healthy, and these are guys that get the ball a ton. Um, so it, it's just a very, very volatile roster. I think if one of those three guys on offense gets hurt, you're, this de- or this offense is going to probably crater. So ultimately, that's why I'm still on the Colts. I think that this division is up for grabs. I think it's going to be the worst division in football uh, regardless, though. Yeah, we need Bud Dupree and, and Caleb Farley to hit the ground running to be like true difference makers on that Titans defense, something that they hope like Vic Beasley and Davion Clowney were last year. And that certainly didn't work. I, I mentioned that if the stars align – I like the Eagles at, at plus 500. What if the stars align for the Jacksonville Jaguars here at plus 900? We just talked about all the major questions at significant areas of team building with the quarterback, with the Colts. And it's not like they can fall back on Jacoby Brissett this year. They don't have that, right? Then you have the Titans. We mentioned play callers. We mentioned pass catching weapons, especially in key areas like the red zone. What if Jacksonville and this crazy team that Urban Meyer is building at the moment what if that just all clicks and they start from week one and they just roll plus 900 in this division that we just talked about with maybe the worst team in the NFL, which could be two easy wins. It's not the realm of possibility here for the Jaguars. The Jaguars are the best long shot bet. In my opinion, I, I just can't find where they're going to get much pass rush. That's like the biggest question mark, but you're going to get improvements everywhere. I think just from play calling to obviously quarterback um, skill group looks a little bit better this year. So yeah, maybe maybe they can pull it off. This division, when it's this bad, like we've seen weirder things happen. Um, I don't think how many how many people were betting on Washington winning the division last year and that really bad division. So like, it could be the same same blueprint for the Jaguars. I, yeah, it, it's, it's just a better way to bet against the Colts and the Titans, which I guess I'm just trying to do. All right, I guess we have to pick the Colts though. If yeah, we're gonna pick one, right? Yeah. Okay. 
Forrest Buckner is like one of the unsung superstars in the NFL. I mean, he's so good. And just him being able not even occupy, but I would even say occupy attention on the interior. And they understand it. Like that's why they keep trying to get some of these outside passers like Quiddy Pay and Deo in, in round two if he gets played and Kimo Couture coming back. That it, it's a fun defense that isn't loaded at every single spot, but you can tell like Matt Eberflows is someone that they even hired when they were going to hire Josh McDaniels. And the fact that he's stuck around and really created a good cohesive defense and adding talents along the way. The Colts are, are a fun team, and I would love to see Carson come back and, and, and play like his old self because that, that was a lot of fun. All right, AFC East. To win it, the Bills are minus 152, Dolphins plus 325, the Patriots at plus 350, and the Jets plus 2,000. The books are saying it, Hayden. The Bills feel kind of untouchable right now in this division. I think they're vulnerable, but they still deserve to be the favorites. I would be picking the Bills here, but I think that the Patriots and the Dolphins, there's both avenues to both of those teams unseating the Bills. I think the the fatal flaw for the Bills is in their secondary. They added a lot of depth to the defensive line. They re-signed their linebacker, but their cornerback group is really bad behind Tredavious White. Um, So that would be the one fatal flaw. Fortunately for them, the the receivers in this division is, is pretty bad. Uh, relative to the rest rest of the league. So I think the Bills, they didn't really lose anybody on offense. Um, John Brown for Emmanuel Sanders, basically a wash in my eyes. Uh, they created some cap space. Maybe, maybe they bring in another veteran here. So um, the Bills were just so much better than the rest of the teams in this division last year on offense, and I'm banking on that happening. Again, I don't think they'll be as good, but I think they're still hmm. good enough to win this division. I don't know. We could see the Bills as a better complete team. Maybe not to the degree that they were offensively week after week, just catching – teams off balance and surprising them but defensively i think they could easily be the a better team i mean they they were had a hundred had 375 points against them last season that was obviously worse than the dolphins and the patriots inside of their own division i i assure you sean mcdermott set back and even though they didn't like add any significant free agents it seems like defensively you brought in gregory Rousseau and carlos boogie basham to go along with, you know, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison are in the final years of their contract. Maybe Ed Oliver get, brings you something up the middle. Starler Tudelay is coming back after op, opting out of, of last season. I mean, Sean McDermott is a defensive coach at his core. We know that Brian Dayball is one of the emerging stars at play callers on offense. But I could easily see the Bills being a more complete team in 2021 versus what they showed in 2020. Yeah, it's, it's definitely possible. You're just banking on like Josh Allen being like an MVP candidate again, which is asking a lot, which I, 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 think, I think it's I think it's definitely feasible. I, I, that's why I think the Bills are in contention to like win the Super Bowl this year. Um, but the fatal flaw, like they, the, de- the defensive line is set. They're deep at all four spots. The linebackers are good. Their safeties are good. It's just cornerback. Like that is the spot behind Tredavious White. Their other two starters are pretty, pretty bad. And that's like yeah. the only thing, but, but every team has a fatal flaw and that's totally fine. I think the bills. And I feel like it was their fatal flaw last year too. Like Josh Norman didn't offer anything, you right. know, and, and Trey White, White is so good. But if like, if your top corner in Trey White goes down for the entire year, like let's say you miss him in, in week three, then that, you know, weakness even becomes even more heightened um, across league and across the other games. We've talked a lot about the dolphins this off season. Um, we've talked about the pieces that they added on offense at, times on on defense they made some established quarterbacks in the nfl look like rookies make some really really bad decisions you expect i mean the jump that brian flores has done in year one to year two year two to year three and like we get to this point can you see them i mean they went 10 and 6 last year can you see them being able to topple the bills 
this year as a possibility at plus 325. They made a couple of swaps on defense, but I think ultimately they'll be about the same. Um, obviously, defense regresses more than offense year to year, so that's something to keep keep an eye out for the Dolphins. To me, it just comes down to this offensive line will be one of the bottom three in the league this year. There, It is really bad, and it comes down to can Tua operate in, a, in an unclean pocket, especially against the Bills. We just talked about their pass rush. We know what uh, New England's going to be doing. And then obviously you bring in Salah, who should create a little more pressure from the Jets' side as well. So the Dolphins', de- or the Dolphin- Dolphins offensive line is really bad. I think ultimately that will – cause some disruption for Tua and we might not see the full ceiling of the Dolphins. Um, so right now, if, if I was picking a long shot in this division, I think I'd be leaning the Patriots yep. over the Dolphins. Um, but I think that the Bills uh, should be viewed as the favorite regardless. The defensive coordinators or defensive play callers in this division, it's so sad. Scary. That's scary. I mean, Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott with the Bills, Brian Flores and company with the Dolphins, Bill Belichick and Steve with the Patriots and Obviously, now you bring back Matt Patricia. And then with the Jets, you have Robert Sala. I mean, that's nuts. That's going to be nuts for maybe everyone not named Josh Allen and Brian Dayball as a combination because Miami, we know about their quarterback questions and how Tua definitely has to take a step in the right direction this year or else he's not going to be the quarterback in 2022. The Patriots, we've I've talked about at length with Cam Newton. Um, I think the Patriots' best opportunity to hit in this plus 350, Hayden, is if Mac Jones is a starter. I truly truly feel that because you and I slack about this all the time behind that offensive line. And with Josh McDaniels being able to create plays and draw up plays, Mac is going to be successful. It's just a matter of, can he take that job in the preseason? Will they allow him to take that job? And if not, when is that going to happen? Because when Phil Perry was on the show, that final year of Tom Brady before he left, they threw the ball at like the highest rate in the NFL. Then last year it was like bottom three. You know, that was just awful to watch. It was so excruciating to watch that team. And how they're more going to be maybe like the Cleveland Browns this year. But I could see the Patriots being like this year's version of the Browns where you run the football really well. Granted, you don't have a Kareem Hunt or a Nick Chubb type talent on your roster. But you have the play action game. You have the matchup nightmares at, at, at tight end. I could see the Patriots being successful. Maybe not the Bills degree, but if Mac Jones gets it plus 350, I think is in within reason. Yeah, I think we'll be talking about the Patriots in our wild card show tomorrow. Just real quick, Patriots, their upgrades. Mac Jones, Trent Brown, John Smith, uh, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, Dante Hightower, uh, Matt Judon, Kyle Van Noy, Davon Godchild at nose tackle, and then Jalen Mills. That's a like what eight nine starters right there, and that's yeah. that's tough to do in in one one off season. Especially the Patriots, as bad as they were, they were competitive in most of those games, and they finished with a decent record here. So um, they're not they don't have to like jump like six seven wins to win this division. They only have to win a couple more um, if the Bills regress. So it, it, I think the Bills belong as the favorite, but I think that the Patriots have a case as a long shot at least. And let's talk more about the Dolphins, too. Let's put a little note in there. But um, let's go with the Bills. Let's go with the Bills to win the AFC East at minus 152. All right, over to the AFC North. The Baltimore Ravens at plus 120. The Browns at plus 145. The Steelers at plus 400. And the Bengals at over plus 2,000. We know the Steelers won this division last year at 12-4. and four, And both the Ravens and Browns finished at 11-5. and five. What's your view? I'm going to turn this back on you. I want you to answer this question. This is a toss-up to me. I was going back and forth. I I could be swayed either way. I have such a tough time with Baker Mayfield. 
I still don't know if I know who he is as a football player. Um, and that does, might it, be a, does it matter though? Does it matter? Like if we are talking about like one to win the division and two to like win the Super Bowl, Baker Mayfield absolutely matters, you know, because there are going to be those moments three to five times per game where he's going to have to win in an uncomfortable situation. And yes, like in the final, what, six to eight weeks or six to eight games of the season last year, there were some like in those times where he did that. But it felt more than ever like it was two or three moments in a game. And those can go one of two ways, you know? In the first half of the season where it felt like he was trying to do too much when he was having to deal with disruption while that offensive line was gelling, I didn't like what I saw at all from Baker Mayfield in the first half of last season. So what do we get this year? What do we get this year? But this is this is the thing. So even with those moments without Odell Beckham, they were still sixth in EPA per, per drop back uh, or eighth in EPA per drop back, seventh in EPA in a rushing offense. They get everybody back. They didn't lose a single player yeah. on offense. So I think that we can, we should expect top 10 efficiency from them. Just the play calling so good. And the offensive line is so good. I think they were number one in PFF run blocking and pass blocking last year. They get all those guys back. I think the offense is going to be good. And then specifically on defense, that's where you're seeing all of the improvements. Defense has to get better. Yes, they were 23rd in EPA last year. But they added John Johnson, Greg Newsome, Troy Hill, Jadavion Clowney, Tack McKinley. They might get uh, Greedy Williams back. He didn't play at all last year from, from a nerve injury. And I think they'll be uh, coached up a little bit more this year, the second year. Um, back there for a lot of these young players. And I think that the defense will get better. So I think that they've really closed the gap on the Ravens. I think they're legit contenders, but the Ravens are still so good too. Like that's where I just keep going back to. Yeah. I mean, the Browns had more points scored against them than they scored offensively. I mean, they, they were minus 11 in net points. They also went three and three in the division last year, which if they're going to take the next step, you know, you have to be beating the Ravens and the Steelers Consistently, I, I think we're all on the same page that the Steelers at three in this division makes the most sense. It's just what do you fancy at the top? Um, I mean, Ronnie Stanley coming back at left tackle for the, for the Ravens is a massive deal. And sure, you you had to trade away Orlando Brown, um, but Ronnie Stanley left tackle is is one of the supreme talents of that position. And then hopefully, I mean, in their eyes, they might have drafted their number one pass catching threat. In Rashad Bateman. So if you like see a step in that direction and you and I have ranked Lamar Jackson as our quarterback too this year, like we think the 2019 version of this offense is absolutely within reach to get back to versus what they saw in, in 2020, despite them putting up 468 points. They scored a boatload of points last yeah. year, Hayden. So it's a, I mean, this Ravens versus Browns dynamic for the entire 2021 season is going to be intense and one that I can't wait to watch because, you know, Stefanski's first year in the division, it, it it's one that has a long history, and I know this is a narrative, but he absolutely implemented exactly who he wants to be and how to run a team and how it can win, not even like with great quarterback play at all times. And so if we see that jump in year two, which we see from certain other passers and in, in certain offenses – then the Browns and Odell coming back is like not even in the conversation that it needs to be because Odell absolutely has a chance of regaining top. Like, would you consider him a top 10 wide receiver at this point? If you had to rank them at this time, if I was getting 17 games or close to that, then he would be in the discussion. Obviously he, I can't, I couldn't do that right now, but he adds the explosiveness, uh, yeah. the downfield threat that Jarvis Landry and the tight ends uh, don't have. So I think his, his return is going to be a big deal. 
ultimately, I ended up settling with the Ravens to win this division. They led the NFL in point differential last year. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Uh, did not wasn't expecting that when I was digging up my research. And we've seen that point differential is actually more predictive than uh, wins last year. And it's actually just as predictive as like all these like really fancy stats, like talking about EPA and DVOA. Point differential is just as good as those, and they led the NFL. And that was with uh, Lamar Jackson season. That was pretty inconsistent. I th- I'm with you. I think that Rashad Bateman changes the entire offense. So I'm okay picking the Ravens here. That does not mean I'm anti-Browns. I am definitely for the Browns. I think they're a legit Super Bowl contender this year. Yeah, Ravens were plus 165 last year in uh, point differential. Um, and you mentioned the Steelers. I mean, plus 400 is not awful odds. But you and I have podcasted enough and talked enough where we're just – we're so out on the Steelers this year. Okay. Let's close it out with the AFC West. As we know, last year, the Kansas City Chiefs went 14-2. and two, And once again, they are favorites to win this division at minus 290. The Denver Broncos at plus 400. The LA Chargers at plus 600. And the Las Vegas Raiders at plus 1,000. With Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke at quarterback being second best odds in your own division at plus 400. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, even though I love the Broncos roster, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It would not be a wise bet at plus 400. Yeah, if you removed quarterback, the Broncos would have like a top five-ish roster, including defense is a very complete roster, in my opinion. I think that the market is overrating the odds of Aaron Rodgers going to the Broncos. I'm not ruling it out. I think that there's, this is putting a lot of faith at plus 600, uh, especially because we've seen the leaps that the Chargers have made. But like, let's just get a like, let's just stop talking about this division. Unless Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, the Chiefs right. are basically a lock here. They're minus three thirty-five for a reason. I don't see how they lose that much ground, especially they're they're all in again too. They made a lot of crazy additions, and this is the last year of Patrick Mahomes on his cheaper deal. Um, eventually, he's going to be paid like a megastar. Um, so until proven otherwise, we're going to be rolling with the Chiefs here for sure. We mentioned flaws and significant ones on certain teams that can hold them back. We saw it exactly play out with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl with their offensive line. Well, what have they done? Trade a first-round pick for Orlando Brown. Signed Joe Tooney to a massive contract. Brought in Austin Blythe and then drafted Creed Humphrey. And either one of those guys can play center. And then you bring Kyle Long out of retirement along with Laurent Duvernay-Tardif coming back. Uh, and then Mike Remmers and make it maybe Lucas Niang at right tackle. Um, that's a team that obviously has a superstar at tight end and Travis Kelsey. People do wide receiver rankings all the time. I am shocked, Hayden, that Tyreek Hill isn't mentioned more often as like the number one wide receiver in the league. Because if I was a defensive play caller, never going to happen. Uh, I would be most terrified about trying to construct a defense to stop Tyreek Hill at all moments because he is a legit wide receiver. At all levels, it's not just a down the field type. Uh, he's able to get that wide open down the field because he does so much great stuff and underneath and in the intermediate areas of the team. And then we know that like Andy Reid is already working on new things. He brings something new each and every year. Eric Bieniemy is back on staff, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a nice sophomore year, second year bump here out of Ceh as well. I was just going to say, I think the wrinkle this year for the Chiefs offense is going to be like more power rushing. Uh, obviously, they're going to still be near the league leaders and like neutral pass rates and all those fancy stats that we love to use. But that was their their biggest weakness, I thought, last year is they could not run the ball in short yarded situations. A little bit of that falls on CH. I think most of that 
fell on their offensive line. And you're just looking at like Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney, like those are like ass kickers, big players, physical players in the run game. Orlando Brown is not used to uh, doing these like really vertical dropbacks with Patrick Mahomes who likes to go uh, scramble a lot. He's used to going forward. So I think that they're, you're going to see the Chiefs be a little bit, um, maybe not more balanced, but I think they're going to be more successful in those short yardage situations. So um, love to see that. I, I will say that uh, the Chiefs offensive line is kind of like that, like that Migos meme where they're like holding the, the money on their ear. And the left side of the lines, like they're like balling out. And then like the right side of the line, just like, uh oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Remmers and the, the right right guard spots can be pretty bad, but the left side is like going to be awesome to watch this year. Don't underrate LDT like that if he can come back and and and, and play well. Uh, speaking of their defense, I don't know if their defense gets enough attention. I mean, they only allowed 362 points last year. It was a plus 111 point differential for the Chiefs last season. I mentioned with the Panthers how they have like those singular players that in those pivotal moments. Um, can maybe come up with some explosive or, or, or big plays. I mean, the Chiefs defense is built that way for sure because their offense is so good. Like teams are constantly chasing the scoreboard. And so when you have a Chris Jones on the inside, a Frank Clark on the outside, and then just more of your consistency from series to series, game to game, stopping the run, like Jaron Reed can absolutely help with that. You you know draft a linebacker in the second round and Nick Bolton. Lajarius Sneed playing an entire season, hopefully, who had a great rookie year. Um, they have pieces, and it doesn't get enough attention, I think, on the defense side of the ball for the Chiefs. But it's also it's heightened just because of how good their offense is um, consistently on a week-to-week basis. So I think we need to rank the the seeds in the division on this podcast. Would Do you want to uh, do that now or save that for the other show? Because I, I would put the Chiefs number one. If uh, Yeah, let, if let's do that. So we'll, we'll start off with the AFC, then we'll wor- work back to the NFC. So again... AFC South, we have the Colts as the winners. AFC East, the Bills. AFC North, the Ravens. AFC West, the Chiefs. So we want to give the Chiefs the one seed? Yeah, until until proven otherwise, I'm not going to go against Patrick Mahomes. Then you're going to have the Colts, the Bills, or the Ravens as the two seed. I would go the Ravens. I'm open to the Bills being there instead. I mean, both of those divisions could be really difficult this year. Yeah. Both I mean, I, I, still don't, I just don't think the Colts, even in that bad division, are going to win enough games to beat the Ravens or Bills. I say we go Ravens. We've made Lamar Jackson our quarterback too over Josh Allen. And most people have those guys swapped. I think if we should make, be consistent. And I was, about, I was about to say the Bills because the hedge. I, you uh, love no, to hedge. <laughs> no, no, no. I was about to say the Bills because I just think their defense is going to be a tick better than it was last year. But that doesn't necessarily matter for an entire season. It matters more for individual games. Okay, we'll go with the Ravens as a three as a two seed. The Bills as the three seed. And the Colts as the four seed. Then we'll add the other three wild card names tomorrow. If you think we missed out on anyone, if you want to make your case, tweet at us and we'll go through those tomorrow on the show. Okay. NFC now. We had the NFC West as the Rams, NFC South as the Bucks, NFC East as Washington, and NFC North as the Packers. And the reason why we have the Packers here is because we think Aaron Rodgers is playing. So to me, if he is playing, they have to be one of the top three seeds in the NFC as well. But we're going to go with the Bucks. As the number one overall seed? Yeah, we have to. Okay. They're, have. they're too good. All right. Then who's the two seed in your eyes? I would go the Packers. Um, but I, I can hear cases for the Rams or for, for Washington. I'm just so excited to see what Sean McVay does with Matthew Stafford. Sean, when he came into the league, it was 11 personnel 92% of the time. Like we've truly seen an evolution in how Sean McVay views football and winning football. 
And now he has a quarterback with some of the greatest physical tools ever. And if you need it, even for like one or two or three games, I really think John Wolford coming in maybe was like the decline of Jared Goff's career with the Rams because they like saw him in practice and saw him in games be like, we can do more with this guy than we could the other guy because we have seen Matthew Stafford miss some time in the past. Let's go with the Rams. Let's do it. I love it. Let's do it. Rams is the two seed, Packers as the three seed, and then we close out with Washington as the four seed. Again, those are just eight. We're going to add six more tomorrow with those wild card spots. Pitch us. Pitch us on Twitter on who should be included in those wild card spots if you think we miss them. And as always, you can check out our rankings up on Underblog. We have quarterbacks. We're going to be unleashing running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends along with a full board that you'll be able to download and implement into, upload into Underdog. Um, we want to help you win money. Like That's our entire thing here. Hopefully some of these long shots that we talked about will hit. And then obviously you can go play on Underdog. If you're a new user, deposit anything. You get a free 25 bucks. All you have to do is enter promo code the show. When you sign up, is that it, Hayden? We done? We out of here? We're out of here. Uh, tomorrow, Super Bowl predictions and the championships too. So it's not just wild cards. We're going to actually have to get bold here and figure out who's going to be winning uh, the conference championships too. Yep. And be on the lookout for the giveaway gauntlet on Thursday as well. We're here every Monday through Thursday at 1230. So we'll talk to you all then. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the villa. Talk to you all soon. See ya.